yeah, a few weeks ago when I uh, finished chapter three, uh, Paul was telling us, you know, in verse 20, if you look at the end of chapter three, verse 20, he says, now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. As Paul is writing this letter and as he's communicating this to the church and to us this morning, he wants us to know that God does more than we ask. God goes above and beyond. And isn't that a great thing to know? To know that he is in the, in the business of blessing our lives even beyond what we can even imagine. And I've said it many times, you know, it's, it's like if God never did another thing for me, he's done more than enough for me to be faithful to him. You know, there's times when you go, Lord, I don't understand that. Why I don't understand why that happened. Oh, Lord, that hurts. Why, why didn't you take that away? But I just don't understand people that have truly tasted that the Lord is good and then walked away. There are people that walk away from the Lord. There are people that say, no, God, God didn't give me everything I wanted. And I gotta be quite honest with you. <clears throat> I don't want everything I want. I want everything he wants. I want everything that he wants for me in my life. And sometimes that means I don't get what I want. And that's okay. <laughs> because guys, this life is so short compared to eternity, right? Even if you live to 100 years old, it is but a drop in the ocean compared to eternity with him and all the blessings that are gonna be there. We're not gonna sit in heaven and talk about the experiences that we had on earth. I don't, I don't believe that. You know, maybe every once in a while, oh, hey, remember when God used, maybe. But I just don't think we're gonna be thinking about this blip in eternity when we're just standing in the, the blessings of God and we're in, in his presence and just worshiping him and worshiping him. When you've been in a worship service, when you just feel the presence of God and you're like, Lord, I don't ever want this to stop. That's what heaven's gonna be like, to just worship him and serve him and love him and, and, and behold his glory. Well, Paul wants us to know that. That's the God that we serve. And in this next chapter, he wants us to know we each have a part in this plan that God has. And even if your part is very small, it's an important part. You know, it's real easy in the world to compare ourselves to others, right? Well, that person does a whole lot more than I do. That person prays more than me or that person's more blessed than me or whatever. We can't do that. Our eyes need to stay on Jesus and say, Lord, what do you want from me? How do you want me to respond? It's a personal thing. And I've entitled today's message, Show Them Jesus. Show them Jesus. Because if we're not showing them Jesus, how are they gonna know? How are they gonna know? How are they gonna, how? Yes, God can lead anybody to Jesus even if they're on a desert island all by themselves. But guys, he's put us in this world to be an example. You know, and you might say, well, I've seen some pretty bad examples, and that is a shame. But don't be one yourself. Don't be a bad example. Be a good example of a, a man of faith, of a woman of faith that believes in God, even in the midst of difficulties. I know there's Christians that lived very hard lives and other Christians that have lived very cushy, simple, easy lives. And I don't understand why God does it, but he has a reason. So showing them Jesus is what Paul, I believe, as he starts this chapter, and again, there's not chapters in the Bible originally, but in this, Paul's like, listen, because I'm talking about the abundance and the things that God gives us, make sure you're living a life that shows people 
that it makes sense to have a relationship with God. That's what we want. We want people who are hurting. We want people that are critical of God and don't believe in God and believe in the Big Bang and believe in billions and trillions of years to go, wait a minute, what's the point then? You know, I mean, even <laughs> when we were at the Creation Museum, they showed a little clip, and I can never remember the guy's name, but he's a very famous atheist. And, he, and, and, and Ken Ham says to him, so what hope do you have when you die? And he literally looked at Ken and said, we don't have any. It's when we die, we're done. That's it. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> we, we know differently, don't we not? Well, I hope you do. <laughs> this is nothing compared to what is going to be there. Paul says, I don't even, com- don't even want to compare to the things that are going on to the things that are going to be in heaven. It's, it's not even worth it. <laughs> So that's the hope that we have. And that's what Paul says. So he says in verse one, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Stop right there and let's give me your attention for a moment. I have all, well, several weeks now that I've been gone, but been just thinking about this and we read it a lot with the Apostle Paul, most of his letters, the Paul, the Apostle, prisoner of Christ, bondservant of Christ. So Paul considered himself a prisoner. Think about that for a minute. That's not, that's not a quality that we would probably ask for in our lives. Oh, I want to be a prisoner, right? You want to be confined to a place. You want to be told what to do. You want to be told what you're going to eat. No, we, as Christians, want the freedom, right? We're free in Christ, and we are. But Paul's perspective was, is I'm a prisoner and I'm a willing prisoner because being in a prison with the presence of God is so much better than being out without God. And I want us to think this week and for the rest of our lives, do I really think I'm a prisoner? And if I'm a prisoner, am I just taking my instructions from God willingly? Because Paul saw this as a quality. Paul saw this as something to be cherished or something to be desired. And I think there's a lot of Christians today that would not say I'm a prisoner of Christ. No, I'm blessed by God and I love the joy of the Lord is my strength and all the positive blessings. But if we truly said I'm a prisoner, which means I am living my life under the guidance and direction of the Lord, not my own desires, not the desires of someone else. Listen, we live in America and we are so blessed, but we are so spoiled. And if I walk around thinking I'm a prisoner, that means God, you tell me what to do. You tell me where to go. You know, I feel we love to enjoy life. We like to be entertained. We love to enjoy things in life and God wants you to do those things. But I'm asking us all, have we ever thought of ourselves as prisoners to Christ? Walking only where he tells us to walk. Paul was chained to a guard. And that's what I love about the Apostle Paul. He is literally in prison. He is literally in jail, but he's like, my mind is I'm chained to Christ. I'm a prisoner of Christ. And to him, that's like, that's where I want to be. And Paul says, if I'm a prisoner of Christ, if he throws me in jail, that's what he wants me to do. Maybe God's got you in the place that you're in right now because he wants to use you there. And you're asking him to take you out of that place. And God goes, no, I need to use you there. There's someone I need to reach while you're there. So change your perspective. Show them Jesus. Be content where God has you. I've found in my life, and many of us in this room probably have, if we learn to be content where we are, God will move us somewhere else. 
God will take us to the next place. So he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. And I love this word beseech. How many of you in this room have used the word beseech in a letter or a conversation that you've ever had with someone? I beseech you, Pastor RJ, that we must go yonder. <laughs> I beseech. It's a biblical word, right? Beseech. You know what the word beseech means? Beg. Beg. Implore. I'm begging you. The apostle Paul's in prison and he feels, I'm a prisoner of Christ and I'm beseeching you. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm imploring you. His heart for the church is to what? (laughs) I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And so many people are like, well, I don't know what God's called me for. Listen, there's a gospel, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ in the word of God. That's what we're called to. We're called to show people the gospel that Jesus died for sinners like you, like me, and like your worst enemy. He died for us all. And he's begging you, live your life in such a way that it tells the world about the gospel. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what struggles you find yourself in today, the gospel is what frees you. This is all this stuff passes, right? Things pass. Seasons come, seasons go. There's ups, there's downs, there's good, there's bad. There's painful, there's joyful. It's all part of life. And as the Christian, Paul says, walk worthy of the calling. You're a Christian, you're a Christ follower. You're a disciple of Christ. It should change our attitude. It should change our perspective and it should change the way we respond to people. Someone hurts you. Someone hurts you deeply. Pray for that person. Paul says, or Jesus said, pray for those who hurt you and spitefully use you. Bless them and not curse them. That's what we're to do. But many times we're like, God, get them. Right? God, God they, they hurt me, God. No, make it right, Lord. <laughs> pray for them. Paul says, walk worthy. Live your life in such a way that people look and go, wow, there's something different about that person. Everybody else is complaining. Everybody else is this. Everybody else is that. But they're different. They don't talk like everybody else talks. They don't do everything like everybody else does. We're to be different. We're to be walking a life that shows the gospel, not our political stances, not our beliefs on issues, walking worthy. That means knowing the word of God, right? If we know the word of God, live the word of God. That's what Paul wants. God wants, or Paul wants us to live and he's begging us. He's begging us. The idea is clear. We don't walk worthy so that God will love us. We walk worthy because God loves us. Because we don't deserve his love. We're gonna let other people know, listen, I don't deserve it any more than you do, but it's available to you just like it was available to me. That's the beauty of the Christian walk. God is holy, we are not, but he makes us holy. We don't make ourselves holy. You're not gonna any more than you're gonna make yourself worthy. <laughs> listen, just because you live a good life doesn't mean, well, oh, man, I'm impressed. God's one, I'm impressed with them. They're really worthy. I'm so glad they're a part of my family. The hope is that that's how we do walk. 
And Paul says this over and over again. I didn't bring my iPad, so hopefully the girl's in the back. You know, this word beseech, again, beg, plead, appeal. Romans 12.1, right? He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I'm begging you, Paul says. Offer your bodies. Yeah. Um, present your bodies a living sacrifice a living dead thing that's what we are we're living dead this flesh should be dying to itself Paul says I crucify my flesh daily Paul was dying to himself and so we present ourselves a living because we're alive but we're a dead person to ourselves that means we don't want the things that we want because we're walking holy Paul begs us for that We are to walk worthy of our calling in proportion to God's grace to us. See, when you really understand God's grace in your life, it lifts a burden off your shoulders. I don't have to perform. I don't have to achieve. Although those are good things to do, right? To be used by God. May may, may people really look at our lives and go, man, they are a strong Christian. It's funny. I don't even like that term. You know, you ever Meet someone, oh, I met this very strong Christian. So you just met a strong Christian. How do you know they're a strong Christian? Well, they told me they were. Ah, you know how you know someone's a strong Christian? By watching their life. Yeah, by their actions, by the things that they end up going through. When, when, when tragedy happens, when difficulty happens, how do they respond? That's how you know a strong Christian, right? I mean, we don't want to be phony. We don't want to be fake. We want people to know, man, I'm, yeah. You've heard me say it many times over the years. If someone asks you how you're doing, be honest with them. You know, right now I'm struggling. Right now I'm hurting. But God's good, right? I mean, you can be both, right? I can be hurting. I can be struggling. There's things I'm concerned about. There's things I'm worried about. You know, is God going to provide? But I'm still trusting the Lord. (laughs) You know, I belong to him. I'm that prisoner. Lord, (laughs) move me where you want me. You know, again, the missions trip, you know, this is, sometimes I'm like, Lord, I should have planned it in March so we had more time to get more money. You know, it's all what we need. It's like, and then I have to teach myself. Okay, Lord, you pick the date. You're going to provide for it. So it's, it's, it's putting and trusting what God's going to do. Walking worthy means being human, <laughs> but understanding the goodness of God. And that's what it is. Paul says in Philippians 1.27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel, there it is, of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, walk worthy of the gospel. Walk worthy of that gospel of Jesus Christ that died on a cross, was buried for three days, rose on the third day, and is now seated at the right hand of God. One thing they continually reminded us at the conference in Kentucky is the importance of the resurrection. See, we are the only faith that has a resurrected God who's alive, right? And so we can't, we gotta let people know that. Listen, I believe in a God that's not in a tomb. I believe in a Savior that is alive and living, and then interceding on my behalf. So Paul says again, live worthy of that. 
couple more verses I want to give us. Just understand, Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. That's important. Because I think sometimes we can walk to please other people. We can do things according to what other people want us to do. No, walk worthy, pleasing him. Going on, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The thing about the knowledge of God, you'll never, you'll never discover it all. There's no one in this room that knows everything about God. We continue to, to discover it. So keep learning, keep growing. And lastly, Paul, as his own example, says to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.10, he says, you are witnesses and God also's, also how devotely and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Paul says, I'm not just asking you to do it, I'm doing it as well. And that's important. If we're doing it, then we have the opportunity to help others do it as well. Not that we want people to draw attention to ourselves, but as believers, we want to encourage each other to walk worthy of God. But if I tell you to walk worthy and then I'm not working, walking worthy, well, you're not going to do that. That's, that's hypocritical. And so Paul says, listen, you're witnesses. You're witnesses to God. Walk worthy. A walk worthy of the calling. Again, the calling with which you were called. We were all called by the same calling. Come into my family. Let me clean you up a little bit. Let me encourage you. But then let me equip you to go out. Right? I mean, the next verses, he starts talking about how he's given to the church apostles, teachers, all these things, evangelists, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. We're here to encourage each other and equip each other so that when we go out and sit next to our coworkers and sit next to our neighbors, that we're able to give an answer for the hope that we have. Another thing that, uh, I don't know, I keep bringing it up, but another thing at the conference is like they were talking and speaking into all the issues that we're dealing with in the world today. You know, gender confusion. And it's like, they make it so simple because it is so simple. In the beginning, God created man and woman. God said it. So if God said it, it must be true. That's what we believe. Yes, there's a world out there that doesn't believe in God. But there's a world out there that believes whatever they think they feel is truth. Well, we know truth. And if God's truth is real, then that's what we should share. Walk worthy means walking the truth. Walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Know the word of God so that you can give a loving answer to those who oppose. We're not called to fight. No one got led to the Lord by an argument. <laughs> they got led by the Lord to the Lord because someone loved them enough to hold them accountable to the lies that they're believing. So that's what we're to do. Next, uh, he says in verse two, this is how we're to walk, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Um, boy, wouldn't that be amazing if we would walk like that? I know a lot of smart Christians that just aren't loving. They know the truth. They just don't communicate it in a way that I want to receive it. And I, they, you know, Jesus said, produce good fruit, right? Not, don't damage fruit. So this is the way we do this. We, we, with lowliness, that's 
keeping ourselves down, lifting others up, gentleness with long-suffering. Because when you communicate truth to someone who doesn't know the truth, hopefully you're understanding that there was a point in your life that you were in that same place, that you did not know that truth, and someone taught it to you. So do it lovingly. Do it gingerly, gently, because that's, it's the heart, right? It's the heart issue. It's not the head issue. <laughs> we all have stinking thinking, even if believers. But it's a heart issue. I love that, stinking thinking. But it's the heart. When we get to the heart, wait a minute, that makes sense. Because God is put in all of us, God, right? God created us all in what? His image. So he's put in all of us a conscience to know the difference between good, good and bad, between right and wrong. So when we speak truth to people in a loving, gentle, caring way, that conscience that's in them can still fight. Well, that doesn't make sense that I would believe in God. But boy, what you're saying makes a whole lot more sense than what I've been believing. Because we do it in a loving way. So that's how we're to do it. Uh, with all loneliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing, <laughs> bearing with one another. You ever have to bear with someone? Hopefully not a spouse. Hopefully not your kids. Hopefully not your brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we truly are a family, and he truly is our father, and Jesus is our master, then we need to be kind to one another. If there's anything we can take from the Jewish faith, it's their love for family their devotion to family. Above all, family. I mean, of course, God first. But family is important. And if we're family, <laughs> then we need to treat each other that way, bear with each other. We're messed up, guys. <laughs> we, we do things incorrectly. Be nice to each other, right? Oh, I'm feeling conviction right now because I was very, I was harsh to someone this morning before church. Did I do it in a loving way? I'll have to ask them. Because that's how we're to respond to each other, to do it in love and to care. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. If our focus is on God, if our focus is on the Holy Spirit, guess what? We'll do it in this way. But if we, our focus is on ourselves and our, what I, I want, we're gonna operate in the flesh, right? Paul says to the Galatians, what you've begun in the Spirit, are you gonna try and make perfect in the flesh? When you got saved, the Spirit came into your life and all of a sudden you were forgiven of all these things and now the Spirit dwells in you and then later on in life, you're gonna be more fleshly, thinking, oh, well, we got this. We don't need the Spirit anymore. No, we need to keep the unity of the Spirit, unity of the Holy Spirit, unity of the Spirit of God, unity of the Spirit of Christ, which is love. The thing about Jesus is the only people he was critical of were the religious. He had compassion for sinners. He had compassion for the lost. It was the religious that he was coarse with and critical of. May we not be found in that way. May he not be critical of us. May we submit to the Spirit in such a way that God works through us in a loving, caring way and that God would not look at us and say, why did you do that? Listen, there's nothing wrong with telling someone you're sorry the way you did something. I think that shows a, a, a level of maturity. <laughs> Go back to someone and say, man, the way I responded was, was wrong. Forgive me. It goes a long way. And that's what Paul is saying. And then he says in verse four, 
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now that in you all can also be translated in all or in us all. Paul could have made it personal. Uh, but God's in everyone who believes. That's the beauty. He's our father if we believe. If we've accepted his son Jesus, he's our father. So this last part that Paul's like, listen, I love the unity, the oneness. That's, that's kind of, I've titled this, the oneness of, of Christianity. Uh, it's interesting Many of you know this. It just takes me a little longer to learn these things. Uh, when I was in Kentucky, they really drove home the point that we are one race. And they said, in one of the sessions, they said there is no such thing as interracial marriage. Anybody from in here not from Adam? Anybody in here not from Noah? Well, if he's our great, 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 grandfather, guess what? We're all related. We're all marrying our family. That's weird. But what is God's, what is Paul saying and communicating to us? God wants unity. God wants oneness. God wants us to understand we're all the same. And if we understand we're all the same, we just have different levels of what is that stuff called? It's melanin, right? Different levels of melanin. I heard a, pa a black pastor teach one time. He goes, listen, we're all one race. And it's just different levels of melanin. And I just happen to be blessed with more melanin than others. I thought that was really good. But it's, it, we're all, God scattered us. At, at bat, the, the, the Tower of Babel, God said, no, no, the people, and he spread them out. And they're just different shades of brown, and that's what they taught. There's, we're one people, and when we understand that, where does racism come in place? There is no such thing. We're all related, all of us. Even that neighbor that drives you crazy is a distant relative. And really, when we understand that, it helps us to talk to a world that is trying to divide everything, right? Well, this people group or this people group or this, the, the way they look or what color they are or what they believe or where they're from, it, that goes away. And now we're all, we're all equal. Now there's a song out there, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a, a, a lyric in there that says, we all bleed the same. We're all the same. Paul, through God, says there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. The hope of our calling? <laughs> God has better things in store for us, guys. That's the hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all. One. So if we're all one, if we're all thinking that way, if we're all focusing on the fact that we are one, then we, look at, we should look at each other differently. I've said it earlier that you know we look at people who don't believe and we should have compassion for them because one time we weren't believers. You know, maybe you grew up in faith your whole life. Praise God for that. But many of us came to faith later in life. And there was a season in my life, 26 years, where I didn't believe in a God. 
and I was lost. I needed Christ. I needed the hope of a calling. I needed the hope of heaven in my life. And if we look at another person in that way, the hope that they don't have, that we can give to them, and to realize it's not us to do it, it's God. God does it. You know, he speaks of one baptism, that speaks of water baptism, you're baptized in Christ. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13, for as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink of one spirit. God wants above all things his kids to get along. What parent in here does not want their kids to get along? (laughs) And when they don't get along, wow, it's frustration. God wants us to get along. God wants us to love each other. There were many years my brother and I did not love each other. (laughs) It's so funny how God can change your heart and you see people differently. Let God change your heart as you think of other people and realize we all have an opportunity to show them who Jesus is and that Jesus did a work in our lives, he can do a work in their lives. Show them Jesus because that's what they need, guys. They don't need religion. They don't need, you know, there's all kinds of people groups or or, or, um, Uh, what do you call it? Uh, What's the word? You know, groups you can join, you know, become a part of something. That's what people want. They want to be part of something. And we can be all, all can be a part of something that means nothing of eternal value. We get to be a part of something that has eternal value. This is what makes life worth living. Again, walking worthy is living a life that glorifies God. May we all, at the end of our lives, people say, wow, they trusted in Jesus. When you hear of a saint going to be with the Lord, there's rejoicing. We're sad to lose our loved one, but man, are we happy for them because they're in the presence of God and they're healthier than ever before and they're now perfect. So let's walk in a way that shows people that we are united. I think there's nothing worse in the world than to hear of a church that's been divided. Because a church that's divided is operating in the flesh. It's this half doesn't agree with that half. What are we disagreeing about? Immaterial things, right? I don't know if you've ever read it, but you know, Chuck Smith early on uh, in his ministry, there was a whole bunch of people that were upset that the, 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 the hippies and the surfers were coming in in their bare feet and were messing up the carpet. I would tell him to put shoes on. <laughs> I love Pastor Chuck. He says, tear the carpet out. I don't care how they come. Is that our heart? That's how we got to be, right? We got to let the sinners in. <laughs> we got to let the people that don't agree with us in. We got to be able to sit at the table and say, you don't believe in what I believe in, but I love you. And I want you to hear the truth because it's changed my life and it's made me a better person. We don't avoid those people. Jesus never avoided sinners. <laughs> Quite the contrary. <laughs> he would sit with them. He would talk with them. As the religious were 
being critical. Mm. Let us not in these last days, because I do believe we're in our last days, let us not be found arguing with each other, complaining, you know. I'm so tired of the Republican-Democrat division that's in the church. I'm not Republican, I'm not Democrat. I'm Christ follower. And that should be okay. And that should be enough. That should be what we agree on. Because God can work out all the rest of the details. Can he? Is he not big enough to do that? <laughs> yes, yeah, stand for truth. Vote your conviction, absolutely. But let's not divide. Over There's so many things that we can divide over. Let's love on people because that's what the world needs, right?